KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener-supported community radio. KRCL is a member of the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, a solutions journalism initiative of media outlets and community partners. Together, we're working to better inform and engage you about the crisis facing the Great Salt Lake and what can be done to make a difference before it's too late. Read all of the news at greatsaltlakenews.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura, Laura Jones. Thanks for tuning in tonight, plugging into your community. I forgot my last name for a second because Emily Means is in the oh, house. Oh, hell yeah, Laura Jones. You know, you don't really need an introduction, though, at this point, I think. I, I'm, I'm just get mon- on the mic and they're like... Mononymic? Yeah. Oh, like you're share. like Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> I, not today. Not today's Madonna, please. <laughs> I'm much okay. I'm more okay with Cher. <laughs> You're going to live forever. <laughs> Emily Means, returning conquering hero here from Radioactive. In my first days here at the station, 2015, 2016, Long I think. Long time ago, yeah. 2016. And now it's CityCast Salt Lake with Ali Vallarta, who's here as Hello. well. Gonna what be a on the joy. show in a minute. Talk about the podcast, the newsletter. But you're also here for a great Salt Lake theme tonight. Mm-hmm. The Sea Monkeys, not a band, not a Could little be. ad in the back of a cartoon. There's a whole new idea. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh my you, ever, you don't know about the Sea Monkeys cartoon, the band? No, I didn't oh, I even know <laughs> Brian Shrimp were called Sea Monkeys until we did this episode about there them. There we go. You learn so, something new every day. Stick around. They're going to share an episode from the podcast, CityCast Salt Lake, about a guy in town who wants to start the Sea Monkeys, mostly because he wanted to make the jersey in the merch, but mm-hmm. he would love to have this, an NHL pro hockey team. Mm-hmm. The Grizzlies are very hurt. Yeah. But well, sorry. I mean, have you ever seen a sea monkey fight a grizzly? Like, I, <laughs> now's the I time. think they could swarm like piranha. <laughs> I really they have think teeth, they could. Right? No, I don't think that's <laughs> they how they kind of they're just gooey nibble you, nibble you yeah. down to the nubbins. You can tell we're going to have a lot of fun. And in fact, I, in, in listening to this before we bring it to the listeners tonight, I found out we have something very much in common, Allie. Mm. I'm not a fan of the Winter Olympics. <gasps> Laura oh. Jones, be still my heart. I'm shaking. Yeah. I'm trembling. <laughs> Listeners to our podcast know that I don't want the Olympics to come back to Salt Lake. I have my reasons. Well, my reason, first of all, we don't celebrate it anyway. We have some great venues, but the uh, Olympic Plaza went back to being a parking lot. Exactly. Yep. Do you remember the Hoberman Arch? Yeah, where is it? I, I think it got <laughs> stolen, didn't it? In Let, impound? Little little CityCast Salt Lake preview here for you, Lara. Uh-huh. We're going to try and find out. Now, last I heard, it was in, in police impound and mm-hmm. someone got some of it and tried to recycle it for money yeah and i haven't tips. heard of it since send us your send tips. tips we're trying to yeah. do some investigative journalism here all right there you go all right i'm gonna totally digress and just chat okay. with you the whole time coming up we do have a round <laughs> table rashawn leak our roundtable tuesday volunteer co-host has the night off but we're going to keep the panel and talk more great salt lake with the folks keeping vigil with great salt lake they did it all legislative session earlier this year they're doing it again so we have poet nan seymour filmmaker john meyer marianne karen a wildlife photographer and utah master naturalist laura cho is here she leads vigil nature walks and there's an opportunity for you to get involved and keep vigil 
at the Great Salt Lake. But first, rallies and resources. You can go to krcl.org and click on Community Affairs for a list of items. And in keeping with our theme, I wanted to tell you about this uh, People's Great Salt Lake Summit happening on Saturday, December 10th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Westminster. It doesn't cost you anything. You just need to sign up, reserve a seat. It's hybrid, so you can go in person. You can also uh, join them online. And they say the summit's going to provide a foundational understanding of what's happening to Great Salt Lake, how you can get involved, and how we can all work together toward solutions. They're going to have a state of the lake. They're going to have breakout groups and discussions coming up with a people's plan for Great Salt Lake by the end of the session on Saturday, December 10th. Well, that sounds a lot like the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, and project manager Heather May is here. Hi, Heather. How are you? Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for coming in. Haven't seen you in a while, except on a Zoom session. I saw you at the Great Salt Lake Anthology launch that uh, happened. Which was amazing. It was. And when I was there, there were some people who showed up in these Brian Shrimp costumes. (laughs) So weird. What kind of weirdos would do that? (laughs) How embarrassing. Check tonight's show notes for a photo. (laughs) But I wanted you to come on to tell us how the year's gone so far, and maybe some things that we're planning for next year, how folks can get involved, but uh, also to do a little victory dance. Local (laughs) That Works just awarded Great Salt Lake Collaborative a pretty substantial grant, at least in in terms of money for me. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Yes, we just won a national award, a national journalism award, um, $20,000 in uh, the Local That Works contest, which is um, a nonprofit news organization that covers public media for industry professionals. So uh, we created a video, uh, the highlights of what the Great Salt Lake Collaborative has done. And um, the audience at the grand finale voted um, between us and uh, four other finalists, and we won. Yeah, and I believe Wincoat Foundation added another five grand on top of that to everyone who participated. So walked away with 25 grand to put to work on shining a light on the plight of the Great Salt Lake. So over the last year, uh, more than almost two dozen organizations from newsrooms uh, like Fox 13, Ben Winslow comes to mind because we've had him on the show talking about that. Uh, the Trade of the Deseret News, City Cast Salt Lake for a while, uh, and some other folks as well, um, partnering just to bring and raise awareness. That's right. So half of us um, are newsrooms, um, uh, all the main newsrooms in the state, really. And then the other half are our engagement partners. Um, so libraries, um, Great Salt Lake Institute. Um, so, you know, scientists, researchers, historians, um, who are helping us do engagement work um, so that we're not just uh, producing stories that maybe people are missing because they don't uh, listen to the radio, uh, read the news. Uh, We want to bring it to the people. Well, and local journalism has always cost a pretty penny. And in this era of consolidation and the rise of the interwebs and citizen journalism, local newsrooms have been decimated. So we've been able to work together in ways we haven't before. You can take a Fox 13 reporter, send them with someone from Utah Public Radio and a videographer to Vegas or California, bring back stories where other folks have done it right, done it wrong, and we can learn something to apply here at home. Yes, that's our whole goal. We are a solutions journalism initiative. So we want to investigate what is happening elsewhere that works or doesn't work so we don't make those same mistakes. Um, Of course, not other places have a Great Salt Lake, um, but they uh, do know how to save water um, outdoors or in agriculture. And that's our mission is to find those success stories and learn from them and uh, bring that to our audience here. So it's a two-year project. We're just about done with year one, and we just got another round of funding from Local That Works. What are you hoping or steering us toward as a collaborative, which is like herding cats, folks? Lots and lots of cats. 
Um, it's an amazing job. Um, so yes, we have a two-year grant from Solutions Journalism Network. We have one more year in that grant. Um, the goal next year is going to uh, be to fundraise. I think we've done an amazing job, and we um, have created a, a national model, I'd like to say, since we won this national award, but on how um, we can take a serious existential problem and um, throw resources at it by combining the power of variety of newsrooms and other partners to um, to all work on the same problem. Yeah. And um, I think it's been so gratifying. We have, um, you know, groups contacting me, it feels like every day, but, you know, wanting to join our work because um, it you know, focusing on solutions, I think, is really giving people hope. Um, and it's not a false hope. Um, it's, uh, you know, trying to find where things work that we can bring here. And that that gives people hope. Well, and through the collaborative, uh, the solutions part of it is to first, okay, raise the awareness, show what the problem is. And like you said, so show some solutions. So I know a lot of folks are as the snow is covering the ground, they're thinking, all right, I'm going to rip that strip. I'm going to rip out all that grass. And we've got some stories like that. Where can folks catch up on all the news? We, we, we collate it together in one site. Uh, GreatSaltLakeNews.org um, has every story that our partners have produced, um, plus some um, other types of projects, including uh, Lake Effect, which you've run here. Yeah. Um, so audio postcards of people talking about the lake. Um, we have our anthology product, um, some of the videos, and um, longer now pieces. That bonus as well. material. That bonus material. Thank you. <laughs> go into the, the anthology, like you said, those videos. Um, and then where are we headed next? I know we got some planning sessions coming up. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have... Um, uh, we're starting to plan how to cover the legislature together. That's never happened in oh, Utah, yeah. where um, competing newsrooms are working together to cover we're all trying to get uh, lawmakers. Um, right. So uh, we're going to be hiring an editor, um, finding some interns. Um, and we really want to focus on youth this coming year. And um, I'm also hoping farmers. Um, there's a big divide, uh, urban-rural divide, of course. And um, so I think it'd be a great project for us to reach out some kind of farmers forum. I don't know, maybe doing yeah. lake effect with farmers. Um, but that's the kind of work that we're able to do because we're pooling our resources. And KRCL with Radioactive, we're able to amplify all those conversations, bring them on to the show and looking forward to doing that. And I like the farmers angle. You know, that, that tension is real because of alfalfa. And we grow a lot of alfalfa here, but we export most of it to China is my understanding from our coverage. And then uh, development. All, water is the backbone of what this story is about mm -hmm. and where the water goes, who gets it, who pays for it. So I'm really excited about what might happen next year, especially with the legislature. I feel like it's applying some pressure in a productive way because it's not just this outlet every three to four months writing a story. It's constant in the news cycle. It is. And I think um, one thing uh, that comes to mind is the um, Desert News Hinkley poll that found that 80% of Utahns um, are concerned about the lake and 73% want lawmakers to spend more money on it. And um, Brad Wilson, uh, Speaker of the House, he brought that up at his forum and he said, 10 months ago, you could never imagine people feeling that way. And I said, you know what? Uh, what happened 10 months ago uh, was that the Great Salt Lake Collaborative was created. Um, so I I think we can take credit for the amount of um, 
attention that's being paid on the lake and the um, interest. Well, and I also think that uh, there was no concentrating entity, like being able to really put that spotlight and keep it there. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the benefit of a solutions journalism project like the Great Salt Lake Collaborative. What's the website one more time where people can catch up, but also share your story, folks, with uh, Lake Effect, the podcast. Yes, uh, greatsaltlakenews.org. Thank you so much for coming down. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great holiday. We're going to move to our next conversation, and you're welcome to slide on out the door. All right. Thanks, Thanks Heather. Okay, folks, check tonight's show notes, and you'll find a link to the Great Salt Lake Collaborative. All right, Emily Means and Ali Vallarta, what is CityCast Salt Lake, and why did you decide to sign up? Allie. Oh, my uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Allie, you go. Allie's been around since the beginning. She's our host. I have. Yeah. I mean, so every day at CityCast Salt Lake, Monday through Friday, we create two sort of things that are little gifts to the city and one is a podcast and one is a daily newsletter and we hope that when you know you roll over in the morning and grab your phone and like we all like to think we don't do this but come on let's be honest why we all do this you roll over on your pillow you grab your phone off the nightstand you look at it you scroll through your emails and you mark them all red because you're like whatever um i hope that when people open our citycast salt lake hey salt lake newsletter that that is a little bit of joy in their inbox okay a little bit of joy because when i wake up in the middle of the night and can't sleep which is frequently i start to doom scroll and i try and alter my feed by i'm only going to click on art i'm only going to click on art Mm. and i know i'm truly doom scrolling when there's no art in it Mm -hmm. you've got to get off twitter (laughs) yeah you gotta just read our just just read our morning email that's my for you my question do you feel like the way you're approaching your podcast is to provide something positive, interesting, and unique about the city. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. What do you think, Emily? Well, I think so, too, Ali Vallarta. Um, I mean, listen, we are all residents of Salt Lake. We're a team of four. Ali's our host. I'm the lead producer. Ivana Martinez is our producer. And then Tarina Ria is writing our newsletter. And uh, we love this city. And uh, at least three of us have lived here for many, many years. Allie's a transplant from Florida, but she's still, <laughs> she fits you right in. to the high mountain <laughs> desert? She fits oh, right in. Goodness. There's not a lot of oxygen here uh, compared to Florida, <laughs> but you know. But we love this city and, um, you know, we're walking around. We're taking note of what's going on around us. We're asking questions mm-hmm. just like everyone else yeah. in this city is. And uh, we want to provide you with answers. We want to provide you with an insight into your neighbors' lives and the and the joy we experience as we walk around this town. Yeah. And best local podcast, the, according to City Weekly well, readers. Well, hard to argue with. I know. But we are here at the best local radio station, mm-hmm. according to City and Weekly readers. And the number so. two best radio <laughs> show. <laughs> Second best. <laughs> big big time two. winners in this You're studio right so here. Oh, so proud. All right. Well, uh, I want to hear about what's coming up in the podcast, your big plans for 2023. But you brought us a clip on our theme tonight of the Great Salt Lake. Set this Mm -hmm. up for us. Who are you talking to in this? Okay. So I was scrolling Instagram, as we've discussed extensively. In a joyful way. In a joyful (laughs) way. Because that's Instagram's for joy, Twitter's for doom. Yeah, that's right. That's why Twitter's on its way out. Um, So I was scrolling Instagram, and I landed on one of the most joyful Instagram pages I've seen in a while, which is the Salt Lake Sea Monkeys. And this guy, Craig Gelman, who's a local graphic designer, and a total delight, as you'll hear, basically woke up one morning and was like, I care deeply about the lake. I also think Salt Lake needs an NHL team. What if we designed all these graphics and this like whole concept for a hockey team, a professional hockey team in the Salt Lake area as a way of like kind of raising awareness about the crisis at the lake? What could that do? And we thought it was such an interesting form of organizing. And so 
we asked him about it. All right, here we go. All right, Craig, you have a wild idea. Let's say I'm Utah's favorite billionaire team owner, Ryan Smith. We're in the Shark Tank. Give me the pitch for the Salt Lake Sea Monkeys. Well, one, it's the state of Utah. It prides itself on winter sports. Totally. But we don't have a hockey team. We have the Grizzlies. Okay, yeah. You like hear whispers of them, but they definitely don't generate the kind of hype that an NHL team would. There should be one in Utah. Like, it makes sense. So you probably need like 10 million of my dollars to start an NHL team. I got to fact check that. I don't know how much. Why do you think it's a sound investment? Well, one, Utahns love their sports. And the fact that they've been having these preseason games or one game, I should say, at Vivint Arena, it's called like the Frozen Fury, just proves that they can set up an NHL rink in the basketball stadium. So the infrastructure is already there and it would create an overlap of even more jobs on top of obviously entertainment for people. Okay, so no team yet, but it sounds like you think we've got a recruitment pool with the Grizzlies. The fan hype is there. The infrastructure is there. I'm officially more sold on this than I am on the Salt Lake Olympics, which I famously am opposed to. (laughs) You've already got a logo design. Can you describe it to me? So I created the Sea Monkeys off of a conversation with my brother just joking around, we come up with ridiculous ideas. And I was just like, well, what would, if you taught an NHL team, what would it be? Because I feel like all these mountain towns do the most generic thing of like what mm. represents the mountains. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, we have like the most unique thing here, which is the Great Salt Lake that doesn't exist anywhere else in the country. And yeah. I was like, oh, brine shrimp. But inherently shrimp isn't a great name for a sports team. Um <laughs> You know, I know brine shrimp are tough and badass, but like the name, so that's how it kind of then became like, we're like, what if it was the sea monkeys? Yeah. Because that was a nickname given to brine shrimp for, um, you know, basically selling them to people, you know, for aquatics, like fish tanks, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of aquariums maintain themselves because of brine shrimp or sea monkeys. Yeah. I was an only child. You better believe I had sea monkeys. I've had like every pet. But when you and I talked, I was like, why wouldn't you call the team the brine shrimp? And you were like, Allie, sea monkeys are brine shrimp. And it truly blew my mind. I bet there are people listening now who are like, oh, my God, I never made the connection. And that's why I liked it, too, is because, like, maybe you don't make that connection. But also then it makes you like it gives you that aha moment. I have like hidden moments that I thought were super fun. I have a brine shrimp patch on the on the pants i love the playing of the words everyone calls salt lake city slc if you're local everyone's always like slc Mm -hmm. and i could play on words to slsea and that was so fun for me you know as well as on the helmet i have this little saying saying save our great salt lake just little things like that just intertwining the importance of something while someone is watching something entertaining they may not flip to a tv program that's going to just talk about the great salt lake But if they get little hints in the sports game, they're already going to watch. I just think we can reach a broader audience Mm -hmm. and continue the momentum that already so many amazing Mm -hmm. people have been doing, which is what intrigued me with design in the first place. Yeah. I know the team would be the Sea Monkeys, but the logo on the team uniforms that you, for what it's worth, have already like designed and they're really fun um, is an actual monkey. Tell me about how we got there. It started out of, you know, a mix of this brine shrimp with a sea monkey head and everything just felt so like corny and cheesy to me. And 
you know, as much as I, you know, I like to make fun stuff, even humorous art. This, I wanted it to kind of almost have more of an ominous feel. Hmm. And I was actually, I can't remember what it was, but I was at Fisher Brewing one night and I saw a poster in there that showed something submerged and just showing its head above the water. And something about that just gave a feeling. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. And so what I did was I made the monkey, I kind of gave him these sea serpent ears to kind of also tie to that. It's not a typical ear that a monkey would have. And I wanted him just to be peeking above the water, kind of like what, like watching from afar. And I thought that was cool and, and ran with it. There is so much great lore about the different sea monsters that live in the Great Salt Lake. And I think that's a really fun, like sort of cultural thing about the lake because of course it's famously shallow. <laughs> so yeah. the idea that there's like room for a Loch Ness in there is just sort of like even sillier. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they described like the Salt Lake monster having like a horse head, but like a different body, <laughs> which I actually did research on that thinking, oh, maybe that could be it. And I was like, oh, that would be... I couldn't imagine just making some like weird serpent with a horse head. I'd be like, all right, this this would be dumb. <laughs> You've put a lot of time into this. Like, why is this project so important to you? Started out as I just want to make a NHL jersey because I've never designed a jersey hmm. to, oh, my God, there's all these like little things that are working and could actually push a sustainable movement in a time where, you know, everyone's talking about the Great Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. I just thought, wow, this could also, you know, I grew up with the Rangers and they've always done stuff for charity of Hockey Fights Cancer. I'm pretty sure almost every NHL team does some sort of charity. And I was like, this mm -hmm. could be ours. And not only that, it kills two birds with one stone. Saving the Great Salt Lake is monumental to our health, even if you don't care about nature, which I hope everyone would to right. some degree, but you're also doing it for yourself. Mm -hmm. and. People don't even realize that yet. So what if that just reached a larger audience? What kind of response have you gotten? I got a lot of being like, well, man, the sea monkeys, that's cheesy and corny. I'm like, oh, man, that's not what I was going for. <laughs> and then a few days later, <laughs> oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, I get it now. Like, there's a reasoning behind all of it. Like, I get, like, the kind of, you know, I haven't really made campaigns other than just supporting initiatives or or sharing stuff on social media. But I really think it can just reach a larger audience that cares more about entertainment for them, but they're getting a little bit more out of it without even knowing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've heard mixed reviews. Some people were like, oh, this is badass. Some were like, weird. I'm like, okay, at least you <laughs> responded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people, it's interesting because the Utes have been doing well and they had a great year last year. They went to the Rose Bowl, great season. And it's, I think, gotten a lot of people thinking about, like, why don't we have an NFL team? But I haven't heard a lot of chatter about an NHL team. And now, especially with the Avalanches, like, winning the Cup, it's like, oh, yeah, like, we can have hockey in the West. <laughs> yeah, we're, we pride ourselves on winter sports because of the Olympics. And, you know, yeah. I get that there, like, are reasonings, like, why it hasn't happened. But I do believe, like, it's totally doable. That's so true. Yeah. It is also amazing how, like, people just love being fans of things. And I grew up in Tampa Bay. And when I moved there, we 
had just got the lightning. Like they were a couple years old when we moved there. And I remember moving there from, and in a hockey family, and it was like, oh my God, hockey this, hockey that. And people in Florida were like, this is a football state. We don't care about hockey. We're never going to care about hockey. Fast forward now, people of Tampa Bay are gaga for the lightning. Like they are, everywhere you turn, it's lightning logos, lightning bumper stickers. People are running around in jerseys like, the team has created such momentum. It would be fun to see something like that here in Salt Lake. Oh, yeah. I think if this were to ever happen, I think that there's going to be a ton of people that don't know anything about hockey, but are just excited to go to a sports game, just like someone would be to go to a concert that maybe they don't really know the band, but they want to go to a show and fall in love with it. I mean, I didn't fall in love with hockey till I went to a game live. And I was like, whoa, this is incredible. What do you need for this to actually work? Honestly, the right connections, investment. I've invested my time. I don't have the money to invest, but <laughs> I have ideas and so much more aside from the art. It started out originally as just an art project that I got way too into. I definitely went down the rabbit hole, <laughs> but I've also learned so many things that I don't think I would have learned without being like, well, how would I make this happen? And yeah, um, Ryan Smith. If you're listening. Be a great person <laughs> to uh, just to get to talk to even, even if he didn't want to be the owner. I think he knows what yeah. he's doing and just getting to speak to someone on this, I think would be an incredible opportunity. I want to talk to you about the lake because I think it is interesting that one of the things that really caught my attention about this project is that it is also, you're kind of trying to organize people. Do you think of this as an, as you trying to organize people around the lake? 100%. This is almost what's driving the whole thing more. I think that getting the hockey team is the, the reward and the entertainment. Honestly, in the end, I think people are inherently lazy. I mean, we build everything around convenience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is a way to merge making someone actually care to take action because they've gotten attached to a team. Getting someone to like something will make them do more. So unfortunately, there are people that aren't so connected with nature or care to do anything or, well, why should I do this? It's not going to make a difference versus, oh my God, I love this team. Like I would love to support this campaign that they're pushing. I think it would create a larger audience that isn't being reached because, again, unfortunately, sometimes people just don't care. I mean, it's sad, but... Instead of me dwelling on the problem, how do we work around the problem? Let's try to come up with a solution. Yeah. I'm curious how you heard about the crisis at the lake. What was your aha moment? I think it was a New York Times article that went absolutely viral. Damn it. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it wasn't, it wasn't local. Yeah. But then all this local stuff, I started seeing, started following everything. I love what Save Our Great Salt Lake is doing. Not only that, it's just taught me more of things that I didn't know that was going on. You know, the craziest thing that I learned was that it's not just, oh, the planet's getting warmer, it's drying out. We're purposely deflecting water. I didn't know that. I don't know how I would have ever known that. Hmm. So it's cool just like even, you know, even if there's not much you can do, but just sharing something and raising awareness, I used to think did nothing, but now I... Just knowing is everything. That's the start of everything, at least. Yeah. Well, hashtag brine shrimp tough. Yep. <laughs> they can persevere anything. That's right. Craig, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to following this project more. And I don't know. I'd love to see an NHL team here.
We'll see what it takes. Yes, me too. You guys will get box seats. <laughs> yes. Okay. Hopefully I get box seats, you know? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. And that's Ali Vallarta, host of the CityCast Salt Lake podcast in conversation with Craig Gelman, a graphic artist who has big hopes for the Salt Lake Sea Monkeys in the mm-hmm. NHL. Indeed. Team. I got to tell you, Lara, we published this episode and a few days later, someone at KSL interviewed Ryan Smith and was like, would you be open to uh, another <laughs> uh, major league team here in the area, maybe an NHL team? And he was like, I'm not opposed to it. And Emily oh. and I were like, call Greg. Call him. <laughs> call Ryan, Ryan, boy, do we have a pitch for you. Oh, yeah. my <laughs> gosh. Well, and also in that piece, you're uh, loathing for the Winter Olympics. <laughs> I know. It's, we're going to keep bringing it around to that. You want the pro hockey team. You just don't want the Olympics. That's right. Okay. No miracle on ice for you. I don't like displacing <laughs> people. Sue me. Yeah. And that's one of the things, and I'd love to collaborate <laughs> Sorry, with you. Sorry, Emily. We'll talk, about the, we'll talk about the Olympics yeah. anytime, well, Laura. <laughs> I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that because we did uh, some coverage with Crossroads Urban Center of their mm, annual yes. Thanksgiving, and now they're going to do a Christmas meal giveaway. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, a big part of let's hold the Olympics to something good for the community. Right. Let's pull up that plan from 2002 and see Mm -hmm. what actually happened and you're going to see that we haven't really come far from 2002 in housing in homeless services and all the the quality of life social justice issues that we tried to frame as part of the olympics right and the the thing that we hear a lot from people i swear this is the last thing i'll say about the olympics is that like you know, well, we would get better public transit. Look at all the things we got. We got I better liquor we laws. I thought we get that in 2002. Correct. And also, we deserve better. Like, yeah. that's not a vision for the city, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to suffer through the Olympics to deserve public transit and better no. liquor laws and more housing. Like, we just could have that because yeah. we're great. Because that's what we choose to spend our money on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. All right, anyway. so what's coming up for <laughs> CityCast Salt Lake? Uh, with so your, uh, speaking your of uh, transportation and public transit, we've got mm-hmm. a show coming up on the proposed I-15 expansion. Mm. You've probably heard between Davis and Salt Lake yep. counties looking to add some more lanes there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we'll be talking with a state legislator about that Hold who represents the, the area. <laughs> and uh, we've got a lot of fun holiday end of year content planned too. And yeah. an anniversary, right? That's right. Emily and I just saw it. Just kidding. Um, we are celebrating our one year anniversary uh, on December 14th. And so we're going to do a show, like kind of a prediction show. Where do we think the city's going to be December 14th, 2023? Mm. Uh, and spoiler alert, I think we're probably going to get the Olympics announcement. <laughs> <laughs> How can people follow you, sign up, get the podcast, get the newsletter? We're on Instagram and Twitter at CityCastSLC. Our website is saltlake.citycast.fm. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. And you can also DM all those channels to like reach Emily and I directly and holler at us about the Olympics. We will put those links in the show notes as well tonight at krcl.org. Thanks for coming in. I look forward to having Thank you so much. Back 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 you. Yes. How special is this? Best podcast and uh, uh, second best, best radio. radio show. This room <laughs> is glowing. This room right. is glowing. I'm going to give you some pixies to get out of here. <laughs> Little Palace of the Brine on KRCL. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. KRCL is turning 43, and we're inviting you to come out and celebrate the station's anniversary with us at our first ever Holiday Soul Party. 
on December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room in Salt Lake City. KRCL DJs, photo booth, food truck, and live music with Ryan Innes, AM Bump, and the Omega Horns with a special VIP soul set with me, eBay Hamilton. So come on out and celebrate 43 years of community radio with a night full of feel-good soul music and all your favorite radio friends here at KRCL. That's Saturday, December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room. Get your tickets now at krcl.org. Do hope to see you there. It's this Saturday night. Going to be a ton of fun. Ticket info online at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones. You're listening to Radioactive at 7. It's Democracy Now! Followed by Connor and the Late Night Lowdown at 8. Super Sounds with Chovy at 10.30. And John Florence starts your brand new day at 6 a.m. Sticking with our Great Salt Lake theme, we are having vigil keepers for the Great Salt Lake, or keeping the vigil at the Great Salt Lake. Poet Nan Seymour from River Riding Collective is here. Hey, Nan, how are you? Hi, Laura. I'm so glad to be here. I saw that you were planning to do it again. You spent the legislative session earlier this year, starts mid-January, 45 days. I think you were there longer than lawmakers were, though, on the job. Maybe just by a few hours or a day or two. So before we uh, introduce the rest of the panel, yeah. the folks that you've asked to, to join us and the different work that they're doing on the lake, will you just describe what that first vigil was like and yeah. the, how it came together? Well, Lara, it was cold and lonely, <laughs> um, but it was also really beautiful. It came together um, in a really interesting way. I have been writing about the lake, visiting the lake kind of obsessively and uh, and dreaming about the lake as well. And I just got an invitation in the night. I feel like it came directly from the lake to be present at the lake um, and keep vigil. And um, and it turned out to align that the kind of the dates that I felt compelled to go aligned with the Utah State Legislative Session. So ended up aligning with those six weeks. I didn't have a camper. I didn't have any winter camping skills. I'm just like kind of an ordinary middle-aged lady. <laughs> and, um, but it just came together. I felt like the lake really wanted a witness, wanted writers, people who care, people paying attention to show up. And uh, so that, that was the call, was really just mm-hmm. to, to go. I collected lines of poetry from people that visited. I didn't know if anyone would visit, but it turned out really as soon as I was there, um, you know, people feel drawn. People people yeah. do care and feel drawn and want to be present. And hundreds of people came. And we ended up offering lots of ways to be with the lake, nature hikes, walks to the water, writing workshops and so on, um, poetry reading, on and on. And you did a lot of it on social media so people could stay with you, whether they were there in yeah. spirit or in actuality. Yeah, against my natural impulses, I posted <laughs> daily on Instagram, which I will do again, because it was a way to take the lake to people who couldn't come. And then additionally, this year when we do the vigil, there'll be a daily meditation at 7 a.m. that anyone could keep vigil with us from anywhere in the world. It will be on Zoom. Okay. Um, so it would be a lake-facing silent meditation with just a simple Invitation will do that every day of the vigil. So if you want to keep vigil with us this year and you can't physically come, you can still be present and you can still hold the lake in that way. And you really also turned this toward lawmakers. As you know, we talked earlier this hour about the Great Salt Lake Collaborative and the ability of multiple partners to shine a bright light on what's going on. Mm -hmm. And without making demands in a dramatic fashion, it, you can't ignore it right. when this much energy and attention is being shown the lake. 
Yeah, I think we're there in a way as a we're you know, the art and the presence and the poetry brings in another frequency, but it's a very real and very powerful yeah. frequency inviting a cultural shift away from that culture you and I grew up in in the of apathy and disdain is how I describe it for the lake. That's how I grew up. I didn't yeah. think it was a place to go. Um, and the shift is to really uh turn our hearts towards the lake with like a loving reverence. Yeah, I'm trying to remember our junior high, sorry folks, <laughs> Nan and I go way back. <laughs> we do. Our junior high field trips in the summer, and was it Marco was our yeah. geology teacher or something like that? Uh -huh, and I remember, going, I remember going <laughs> yeah. to the lake. Really? And I remember thinking this smells and there's lots of flies. Mm -hmm. And I really, I, I couldn't take it in. Yeah, I missed that day, but we. I also like <laughs> missed the memo that we're like with this treasure, yeah. like, and also that the lake isn't peripheral. It's the absolute yeah. center and heart of and, our ecosystem. And in fact, you wrote about that in uh, a piece in the Trib. I did. The Great Salt Lake has a right to live and be restored. And you say in this piece, when the life of someone you love is at stake, you stay with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the vigil. That's the vigil. And that's the invitation really is to be present um, in a relational way, in a okay. respectful, reverent, relational way, and to invite others to show up in the same way. Well, we wanted to demonstrate the different ways that that can be done yeah. with the panelists. You chose the right people here. <laughs> well, I, I said, Nan, who do you want to come? <laughs> yeah, this is quite the team. This is quite a team. Well, let's meet filmmaker John Meyer. Am I saying that right, John? Yeah, okay. you are saying that right, John and Meyer. You sent me an email and said, hey, I'm coming, and I got a documentary I'm working on. So you're a filmmaker. Yeah, I am a local documentary filmmaker, and I connected with Nan at the beginning of the vigil last year and I was just drawn to the lake and I thought this this is a story that needs to be told and we've connected and it's been wonderful to kind of work with Nan over the past year filming and following her journey and then also my journey learning and, and understanding the, the the situation of the lake and how important it is to to bring awareness. So did you have any concept of the lake before answering this call in essence? Um, I did. I grew up uh, in Washington State, uh, so I like loved the ocean and, and water, but I never really made it out to the Great Salt Lake until I fully um, got engaged working with Nan and the Vigil, and it was just like, wow, this is, mm -hmm. this is like my second home because I spent a lot of time in the desert side. I was like, this brings me back to my roots of Washington, so I was like, this, I need to be out here like all the time. So you're working on this project. Who are you talking to? When might it premiere? Um, I've been working with Nan. I've been working with Jamie Clark and Bonnie Baxter and some other scientists and then Nan. And hopefully we'll be filming this year and my goal is to have it out uh, next year. So a mix of artists, activists, scientists, and regular Janes and Joes? Yeah, I, I really want to focus on um, just bringing that love for the lake. I think that's what I found through Nan, through the vigil and people I met is there are wonderful amazing people who love the lake and showcasing that love and hopefully bring that love to the rest of the mm. community of the valley all right let's talk with utah master naturalist laura cho a leader of vigil and nature walks how you doing thanks for coming hi laura how did you get engaged and starting to lead these walks well i I think I was first engaged through being a member of the river writing community through knowing Nan and having participated in some of her creative writing workshops. Um, but before that, I was already a lover of Great Salt Lake um, and was a frequent visitor um, to her shores, particularly through Antelope Island. Um, so that was a place that was already very much near and dear to me. 
not so much an island anymore. True. It's pretty, pretty shocking. So the vigil walks, have you led a couple already? What's the plan for 2023? Yeah, so last year we tried to piggyback the walks on the days that there were writing workshops. And the goal with that was really to offer people who are already engaged in the writing process a way to experience being out um, in the landscape and connecting with the land in a more sensory way. Um, So we, we tried to offer that um, on weekends when there were writing events happening on the island yeah. as well. I remember talking with a gentleman, I think his first name was Scott, definitely Baxter, and he mm-hmm. um, circumnavigated the lake yeah. in handmade canoes with his daughter's boyfriend. That was an interesting twist. Mm-hmm. But this, the, the, the lake eye view was amazing. Mm-hmm. took such beautiful photos. Hope to have him back when he gets the book ready. Incredible but story. when mm-hmm. you go walking at the Great Salt Lake, like my eighth grade you know, science field trip. I was not that impressed. Yeah. And it was, you know, take us to the parking lot. All right, kids, don't run away. Eat your lunch. Now let's get back on the bus. So when you lead a vigil walk out of the Great Salt Lake, can you paint a picture for us, sights and sounds and smells? Yeah, so we typically would hike on the trail that's um, sort of by the Bridger Bay campground. Um, and on that side of the uh, of the island, usually, typically, the water has been fairly close to that trail Um, and when I first started hiking that trail in maybe 2015 or 16 you know you really felt like you were on the shores Um, and that hike in particular is is really one of my favorite on the islands there's many great hikes but that proximity to the water and that overlook um, you know on that side of the of the lake where you really lose the horizon you can't see um, where the water ends and the land begins on that side of the island but um, yeah in recent years as you've mentioned the water has receded um, so dramatically that now the microbialites you know on that side of the shore are are visible and it's it looks very very different um, so that's part of the experience really is having that physical experience of the change, yeah. you know, for people who have been visiting the lake. Um, but a lot of people on our walks were visiting the island or the lake for the first time. Mm-hmm. So that's also really interesting. It's like coming to this place, you know, it means different things for different people. Um, but I think everyone can can take something from that experience, you know. So the plan for vigil walks in 2023, again, to coincide with uh, keeping a vigil and events that are there, what can people expect or look forward to? Or can they reach out to you and help? Absolutely. I mean, I'm really acting as a volunteer doing this, um, uh, you know, really as just an offering. But we're the goal is to really, um, you know, bring in any people that have anything that they want to offer, whether that's an artistic offering or, um, you know, as Nan was saying, you know, we want we want people to show up with, with whatever um, offerings they have. Well, the lake is very different in high winter versus high summer. The, the temperature, um, the smells, um, the sounds. In fact, mm-hmm. let's get to some sounds. And when I think of sounds at the Great Salt Lake, I definitely think of birds. Mm-hmm. And Marianne Karen, a wildlife photographer, is with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here.
Tell us about the sights and sounds that you are trying to capture as a wildlife photographer. Uh, since I fell in love with birds, that was during the pandemic, um, one of the things that I like to do with my photography is really try to bring the bird's eye view of the world um, into my photography. And so I'm maybe taking a little different perspective um, on things. I'm getting like right in the mud, down in the bugs, um, eye level. Um, and I'm trying to really sort of build that empathy um, of place um, with the birds. And so um, a lot of my photography is trying to be really close, um, close to the lake in that way. So I think it's a little bit different way of seeing it. Um, as multiple people have already mentioned, it can be, you know, hot and uncomfortable and bugs. Um, but when you think of all of that um, from the perspective of a bird, you start to understand what a truly phenomenal slice of wilderness um, it really is out there. It's a there. buffet for them. It's a buffet. It's a, it's an incredible habitat. It's rich. Um, and so I try to bring that um, out in my photography. So will you be guiding some workshops at all? Or how, are, how can folks participate or interact with you in the vigil in the new year? Because of the really rapidly changing conditions, it's very hard for me to plan ahead with photography workshops mm -hmm. and have any concept of what I'm going to find out there. Yeah. So we haven't set any dates, but I would like to hold some workshops. Um, these would be hands-on workshops. They would be sunrise um, workshops. And that is pending um, conditions and birds, and we don't know what we're going to get. Um, and then I'd also like to give a couple of um, remote well, in-person presentations that will also be held on Zoom. Um, one of them just about birds of Great Salt Lake. Um, I have amassed quite a portfolio of pictures of birds at Great Salt Lake. I was going to say, share a couple of your favorites. Um, yeah, and so I'd like to talk about the birds of Great Salt Lake and give people just that perspective. I think we've heard a lot about the air quality. We've heard a lot about the brine shrimp. The brine shrimp. We've heard a lot about a lot of things, but I think a voice that's kind of maybe missing. Um, you know, mm -hmm. people, you hear, oh, wildlife, it's important for wildlife, but that just sort of gets glanced over. So I like to take a deeper dive there. There's a Christmas bird count coming up too. True. So tell me about some of your favorite birds and how you captured them. Because you said... You want to get the bird's eye view, and I'm not sure how you do that. Do you get on like a like a scuba diving outfit or something and shimmy on down into the water? Yeah, I've uh, done a number of things. I've been out on my paddleboard. Um, I also have a dry suit, um, and I have a, a set of like chest waders. So just depending on where I'm going, I also have a floating blind. So it's a little like it's a it's a basically a tripod on pontoons that I can get down. Um, to water level and float around in the water. So it kind of just depends on where I'm going. But the goal is to be in the water with the birds, essentially. Um, and you asked what my favorite birds are. Right now, my favorite birds are Great Salt Lake birds. And I've chosen to focus on the birds that visit Great Salt Lake because I think that um, there's a real possibility I won't have that opportunity yeah. um, in not too short of a future. Um, so I just want to take advantage of the fact that they're here. There's, they're this incredible, rich gift that we have. Um, so I like to spend as much time with them as possible. So there are probably five or six species that um, really heavily utilize the saline lake portion of Great Salt Lake, and I've spent a lot of time um, photographing those birds specifically. Any pelicans in that mix? Because pelicans are definitely in that mix, but I don't have a lot of photos of pelicans because yeah. they're not out in the Great Salt Lake, the saline water itself, yeah. so they tend to frequent the wetlands. Yeah, I see them up at the Bear River 
refuge. Um, and I love that drive around there to find them because that shouldn't happen. Pelicans shouldn't fly. <laughs> it's a magical it's miracle. They're amazing yeah. creatures. But uh, give me some of your, your, your favorites and species by name. So I think one of my very favorite birds is the American avocet. Mm -hmm. um, that's a bird that, you know, we get a couple hundred thousand of them coming um, to Great Salt Lake. And the statistic that I heard was that there are more American avocets nesting at Great Salt Lake in a, in a given summer than there are everywhere else in the world combined. Um, so it's really important habitat for them, both for migration, but also for raising their young. Mm -hmm. um, a really long beak, right? They have the long, up-curved beak. Um, super long legs, really elegant, beautiful, classy-looking birds. And they also happen to be not incredibly shy. So you get some really fun opportunities um, as a photographer with them because they can, you know, if you just sort of hold still and and don't stand up and stay low, um, at some point they'll sort of accept you as part of the landscape and just come yeah. trooping right by you. So there's a lot of really fun opportunities with those birds. We've got photography. We've got nature walks. We've got documentary. We have writing, man. Just a, a sample of what folks can do to yeah. help keep vigil at the Great Salt Lake. When are you starting in the new year? And you, you've got a post out, and I'll be sure to put this in the show notes, of six ways folks can be present with the vigil, but also five invitations for Utah lawmakers. Did you have much success this year with getting lawmakers out there? We had a, a couple of lawmakers come out and participate in the poetry reading, and it felt so good to have them physically present. So that's one of our invitations to lawmakers is come out and meet us there. It's awesome to actually be at the shore, shore receding though it is. You have such a different experience of intimacy and engagement and um, I just feel like that that's a really powerful thing and if you know I'm respectful that how busy they are during the legislative session if any lawmaker in the sound of my voice wants me to take them out beforehand I'd love to do that I'm sure any of us would actually um, and also you could join us for the actual just silent meditation just to be with the lake in that quiet way and to be in community um, so that's just a personal invitation we're extending to lawmakers like you know Come on out. You also on your list of invitations for lawmakers include seeking guidance from indigenous leadership and you recommend some reading. Yeah. Um, the bluff principles are the re reading I'm recommending and that will be linked on the website for I recommend it to everyone. Um, but that couldn't be more important because this is the heart actually. I think of what we're bringing is a relational approach to the lake which of course indigenous people had always have still lead and articulate in such beautiful ways. And we're overlooking resources like the link that I share there, uh, this beautifully articulated vision, which is actually for the Colorado River Basin, but all of the principles apply directly. Um, and it's about reverence, respect, reciprocity, and that's already articulated. Um, it's time to, for us to look in that direction in a humble way. And by us, I mean colonizers, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you know, people who don't have that connection, but, um, that's there for us, and that's there to guide our future steps back to uh, a relationship of, I would just say, like a right relationship with water and life. I understand also, because I have a flyer here that Laura <laughs> yeah. handed me before we started the show, that you'll be partnering with uh, Darren Perry yeah. for Stories Around the Campfire, Saturday, December 10th, 5 to 7 p.m. at the Rock Cliff Nature Center at Jordan L. State Park. 
uh, in Camus. What is that about? Well, that's um, Laura, Laura? Is the one who put that together, and it's a really exciting opportunity for us to basically tell stories, and they will be like lake-facing stories. It's a very big privilege for me to share an evening with Darren, who's a wonderful storyteller and a great example of that leadership and voice that we could be um, really uh, following in this you know, at this time. I had him share the story of Boa Oguay for Thanksgiving several years oh, amazing. back. Yeah. Um, he has such a, a wealth of stories um, from his family, but also right. uh, the tribe that he represents. Why did you want to put that together, Laura? Um, so I work uh, as outreach coordinator and field instructor for a nonprofit um, called Wasatch Mountain Institute. We're a new nonprofit that has a focus on education, um, and we work primarily with fifth and sixth graders in the Salt Lake um, Granite and uh, uh, Davis school counties. But we're, since we're located on the Provo River um, in the upper watershed, just below where the water flows out of the Uinta Mountains, we do focus quite a bit on watershed education in our uh, day programs with kids and in December, we're going to be starting our snow school, and that's super fun. I mean, we, we imagine strapping 50 kids into snowshoes <laughs> for the first time. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a wonderful program. We basically get to focus on hydrology and, you know, really exploring how does snow function, you know, in the Utah landscape. Where does the snow come from? Where does it go? What happens to that snow when it melts? Um so there's a lot of fun exploration um, that happens in that program. But one of the interesting pieces that we have been able to um, to work on is a collaboration with the state park. So Jordan L State Park is where the nature center is located. That nature center was closed for over a decade due to lack of funding. So our nonprofit um, partnered with the state park to raise money to rehabilitate the nature center, reopen it. Um, so in addition to the school programs, we offer once a month community programs. And so this next month, we're hosting Darren and Nan. Stories around the campfire. And of course, Darren Perry, former chairman of the Northwestern Band of the Shoshone Nation, and doing lots of work to restore um, Boa Ogwai and under indigenous leadership. So right. you'll be trading stories, Nan? Is that yeah. what's going to happen? Yeah, we'll be swapping stories and poetry and you know, just a classic campfire approach. Yeah. Really excited to do that. And that campfire approach is, sounds like a real inspiration for the vigil. Yeah, the vigil is an old way of being. It's really about being present, being in circles, the kinds that naturally happen around a campfire. Um, not, It's not about performance. It's about showing up and genuinely connecting. Um, can I make a little plug? Yes. That I just want. I just don't want your listeners to miss this. Marianne Karen is a, a very modest person, and and her photos. I was trying to pull it. Uh, out yeah, of her. I know because her modesty is stopping her from saying, like, "Don't miss these photos." Go to her website, follow her on Instagram, and I don't say that just because I admire Marianne's work, but this is a way to really intimately learn the genuine beauty and life of Great Salt Lake. Marianne is bringing this forward in such an intimate way. So, you know, I got the chance to go out with her one morning and it's like 15 degrees. We're on our belly on this in the mud. Um, and, I, and, you know, she doesn't go, she doesn't quit until the light is gone or till the light is changed beyond. And so, you know, we're just doing that. And um, that's something she does again and again. But it was such a privilege to be with someone whose great love 
brings them to the actual lakeshore in that intimacy and not looking down at birds, but looking right, as she said, bird's eye view. And this, those photos, they, they are without any words, the invitation we're making, come and be intimate, come and be relational. Let's not be humans looking down anymore. Let's be with this life and the photos are way in. So please take a look. What's the website, Marianne? We need it. It's MarianneKaren.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's a not miss. To all of our panelists this evening. But I wanted to go back in the uh, three and a half minutes we have here, Nan, and just talk about the six ways folks can be present with the Keeping Vigil with Great Salt Lake 2023. When's it going to start? Okay. so What's the social we should follow? Right. So you can follow my Instagram, Nan Seymour. Um, and you know, I post sporadically about it now, but once the vigil starts, I'll post every day there. And then, uh, the link that will have the six ways and the direct invitations, there's also already some registrations or register links up, but we'll have a full calendar within a week of art build events. The, the writing workshops are already up when Lara will be guiding these wonderful walks that she does. Lara Cho. Uh, Lara Cho. Yeah, not Lara Cho. Um, yeah, you, I, I didn't tell you, Lara. You're in charge of things here. Just, this just in. Um, so, you know, and, and meanwhile, we're encouraging people to already write to your lawmakers and just tell them exactly what you think and why you care. Uh, it's really important for them to know that you care. Um, you can donate to help support the vigil. If you can't make it out, join us in meditation. Basically, the invitation is for us as a community to become a lake-facing people. Um, you know, to turn our hearts and faces towards the lake. And that's what we're trying to lead in the vigil. And that's also, again, what you wrote about in October. We'll put a link to this uh, as well, Nancy Moore's The Great Salt Lake has a right to live and be restored. Exactly. Echoing other movements across the country, across the world. Right. Recognizing the rights of nature. The rights of nature, and you could also think of this as personal rights, and it's only on par with what we've already given to corporations. Let's just level the playing field. Um, Great Salt Lake has a right to exist, and that needs to be legally established and upheld. That's where we're headed, so we're, we're talking about it. What's the website that you want folks to go to for all this? Uh, NanSeymour.com is where the, the home of this information okay. at this point. Wonderful. So, yeah, my name. And Laura Cho, your nonprofit, where can folks find you online? Sure, that's WasatchMountainInstitute.org. And to our filmmaker, John Meyer, how can people catch up with your project? They might have a point of view to share with you. Yeah, you can go to a website, greatsaltlakefilm.com, and I have a new teaser I just put up mixing um, some poetry reading of Nan and some news footage to really showcase how uh, the project's going. Well, thank you all for coming in. Thank you for keeping vigil with the Great Salt Lake in your own unique ways and hopefully inspiring folks who are listening tonight to see that there is space for them to join you as well. So thank you so much. Yeah, come out, Lara, while okay. we're out there. I, You know, I tried so hard uh, earlier this year. I think this this time I got That's why we're it. giving you another chance. <laughs> I've, I've it, would be really, it would be really fun I've got to have you months, come out. I've got months notice now. Yeah, yeah. You got the camper? Yep. Okay. Yeah, we got a camper. Yeah. I believe there's music around the campfire at night, too. There'll be music. Oh, yeah, you sing. I just remember. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And my thanks to you for plugging into your community this evening. Questions, comments, suggestions, you can email radioactive at krcl.org. You got something that should be on the show or on rallies and resources? I'd love to hear about it. You can email me or you can use your smartphone to record a voice memo and send that over too. And you just might hear your voice on the show. 
Have a great night. Democracy Now! is up next. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for listening. KRCL, Salt Lake City. KRCL's Music Meets Movies takes a turn towards the holidays with a documentary film that dives into the underground world of alternative Christmas music. There is a underground of tape traders and CD traders across the country who do this, try to make cool Christmas discs every year. The worst music in the world is bad Christmas music. I found the typical Christmas music grill. So I thought I'd start making a soundtrack to get myself through the holidays. Talk about what happens in Hollis, Christmas in Hollis. I call Bill Beck sweating. I just wrote the best drama of my life. Christmas, you can love it or hate it, but you can't really ignore it. The music and the memories pierces that pathway. Of course it's powerful. Join KRCL Thursday, December 8th at Brewies in Salt Lake for a screening of the 2013 documentary Jingle Bell Rocks. Tickets at the door at 6.30, movie at 7.30. Information at krcl.org. 